God's warnings aren't to be despised, but gladly embraced. Pastor Ed Taylor on why he gives them to us in the first place. God warns us about things in our lives, about sin in particular, because he wants us to avoid the pain of sin, and he wants us to avoid the pain of consequences, and he wants us to enjoy this life as a testimony of his faithfulness. So he warns us. This is amazing grace. As we open 1 Samuel 8 today on Abounding Grace, God's people are about to demand a king that's not God. You see, they weren't content with God as their king. And you'll soon see what happens when you get what you want instead of what God wants. Pastor Ed Taylor continues through the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel today. If you recall, we left off last time in chapter 8. And remember the people were calling for a king. God, of course, had anticipated this. It seems as if the national leaders, the spiritual leaders, were more concerned with national security. They were more concerned with national protection. They were more concerned about political leadership and their overall safety instead of the spiritual health of the nation. And Samuel, a spiritual man, could see that the demand was evidence of spiritual decay. And in verse 6 it says, This thing displeased Samuel when they said, this is back in 1 Samuel now, This thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. You think you'd be displeased? I know he's taking it personal because we'll see it in a moment, but I don't think it's just personal. He cares about the nation. He cares. Do you guys really understand what you want? You you want a king? You don't don't want me? You don't want my sons? I'm still alive. I know I'm old, but I'm still here. And he does the right thing, of course. He says, Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, check this out. Heed the voice of the people in all that they say. Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they've forsaken me and served other gods, so are they doing to you also. Now therefore, heed their voice, however... You shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. You know how when you pray and you just want God to answer all your prayers? Do you really? What if you're wrong? Do you want him to answer all your prayers the way you want them? Or would you like God to overrule you sometimes? Just tuck that in the back of your mind when you're praying tonight. And, and go ahead and include it in your, in, in your prayer times. Say, God, here's all, but overrule me. Because if I'm wrong, I don't want you to give me what I want because I really want what you want. I don't want, don't give me what I want. I, I, I think back in other episodes in the life and the history of the children of Israel where, well, this wasn't the first time that Israel rejected God. They rejected him at Sinai in Exodus chapter 32. They rejected him in Numbers chapter 14, the whole wilderness wandering. In Psalm 106, would you jot this down? Or, no, you know what? Turn there so you can see it in your own Bible. This is one of the most sobering Passages in all the Bible, Psalm 106. See, the Jewish leaders here had no faith 
They took things into their own hands. And God says they're rejecting him. If you would have asked them, I don't think they would have said they're rejecting God because they didn't have God's perspective. God's perspective was, hey, Samuel, it's not about you, man. Jesus would say the same thing, that a prophet's without honor except in his own country. They're rejecting him. That's why when you're sharing the gospel with people that you love and your family, you're sharing the truth and you're rejected. I mean, it hurts. It takes it personally. But you, you can almost hear heaven say, hey, you know, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And then you say, oh, but it still hurts. And God says, I know. I know. Look at this in Psalm 106, verse 14. It speaks of the children of Israel in the wilderness wandering and says, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. This is Psalm 106, verse 14. And he gave them their request. And you're like, amen, God, thank you for giving me my request. But he sent leanness into their soul. God's answer to Samuel is, look, I know all about this rejection. It's a pattern. And you know, Samuel, they're not rejecting you, even though you are taking it personally, even though it does hurt. What you're witnessing, Samuel, with my people is what I've seen all the way back. This is my relationship with them. This is the human condition. He says, give them what they want, but warn them. And isn't that, I, I was looking at that as just for, for me personally, it's, it's like the role of the pastor. You know, you give them, give, give, give the church the word of God and give the church the, the, the service and, and serve them well, but warn them. Warn them of the decisions and warn them. Put the choices before them. I think of Elijah, he went through the same thing. Choose you this day whom you will serve. How long, how long will, well, that was Joshua, but Elijah says, how long will you falter between two opinions? It seems to be a pattern. Jesus says, you know, you're either for me or against me. Warn them. Warn them. There'll be times when I'm in the process of, not just me, but the pastoral team and you guys is, you know, just opening the word where I'm laying before uh, a couple or a family, this is the way it is, and this is what the Bible says, and, and this is the answer. And, and then you'll see that they're just not tracking, and they're just not accepting, and they're just not receiving. And there are times where the Holy Spirit says, they're just about ready to leave your office, Ed. You better warn them. Warn them of how they came in and how they're leaving. It's like God would say, you have that sense of where you've covered the topic and you've opened the word, but warn them because they're walking out worse than then they walked in. They're walking out worse of you, out of your office, Ed, than when they first walked in. You need to warn them. It's, you need to warn them. You need to warn them. And that's what Samuel was called to do. You, you need to warn them. Forewarn them. Forewarn them what they're going to get when they get a king, verse 10. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior. The king will reign over you. He'll take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots to be his own horsemen. Some will run before his chariots. He'll appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He'll set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, some to make his weapons of war and equip it for his chariots. He'll take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He'll take the best of your fields and vineyards and your olive groves and give them to, your, to his servants, verse 15, He'll take a tenth of your grain. Another word for that is he'll tax you. He'll take a tenth of your grain. 
and your vintage. He'll give it to his officers and his servants. He'll take your male servants and female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, put them to his work. He'll take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. God wanted, to know, God wanted Israel to know the problems that come with a king. When they thought they were solving problems, in reality, they were replacing problems with problems, bigger problems. All of this section is to imply that they didn't live with this kind of tax. They didn't live with this kind of bondage. They didn't have, they, they, they had a relationship through the judges with God directly. They didn't have to go through all this. And this was even in addition to, you know, this taxes and stuff was in addition to their ties. This had nothing to do with spiritually. This was purely a governmental, they were asking for a government like all the other nations, but they missed it which so often we can do when we're discouraged and we lean on our own understanding. Many today do the same thing when faced with problems. They take things into their own hands and make things worse. I'm reminded, and how can we not be reminded of taking things in our own hands and making them worse? How can we not think of Sarai and Abram given the promise of God and then waiting and waiting and waiting? And they became impatient. And they began to look at the reality of life. They began to look at the facts. You have to understand, Abram and Sarai made their decision based on the facts. They didn't, this, this wasn't, they were old. Beyond childbearing. Yeah, I know God gave me a promise, but have you seen my body lately? I can barely walk. And all of the other things that go along with knowing your body and your age. And understanding the biological clock. They were knowledgeable about that. And and the reality and the logic and the facts of the situation overruled the spiritual promise of God. And they took things into their own hands. Came up with the dumbest idea that could possibly be brought into a marriage. I've got a handmaid, Abram. What do you think? Why don't you go have sex with her and she can bear the promise of God? This would have been a great opportunity for Abram to say, I am a man of God. I will not do that. But instead, sure. Here's something that you may need to understand. That was culturally acceptable. That was a culturally acceptable option and alternative when there were no children. It was just what the world did. So today we would translate that into, hey, you know what? I've got a spiritual problem. I'm waiting forever. I know how to fix this. It's what everybody else does when they have this problem. I think I'll fix that and I'll fulfill God's promise for him. And of course, this, that, that, that child that was conceived, his name, Ishmael, in conflict with the promise of God that came later, Isaac. They are in conflict. They were in conflict from that moment on, caused conflict in the home, caused conflict between countries. Conflict, the conflict is still going on as I'm speaking this second between Ishmael and Isaac. Why? Because of impatience. Why? Because of, I mean, it was so much so that somewhere around Genesis 17-ish, uh, Abram says, you know what, God? Take my Ishmael. Take my Ishmael. We don't, need, we don't need your promise. Take my Ishmael. We've got it taken care of. And God said, no. He is not the child of promise. And now they live with the consequences of that bad decision. Israel is repeating the same thing here. 
It's the same thing, different circumstances. The promise of God always supersedes the act of man. And, and even with logic, even with knowledge. That's why if you haven't already, you really need to make Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 one of the verses you memorize this year. I hope you memorize the Bible. There's been such a de-emphasis on that over the years. We put verses, we give you verses at the beginning of every month for you to memorize. We give you that reading plan and then Jason's developed into a prayer plan and then on the flip side of it, there's the different verses on the back that we want you to memorize. We want you, if you put three verses in your heart once a month, you're gonna have 36 verses in your heart by the end of the year. Like, you don't, you remember when Peter, remember we talked about the 3,000 people that were baptized? Remember the Bible study that Peter dropped on them that day when they saw the day of Pentecost, everybody speaking in tongues, and they thought everybody was drunk? You remember the, the dynamic, powerful, anointed message that Peter shared? Do you know how he shared that? Off the top of his head. He didn't say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I need to get my scrolls. Oh, no, I don't got my scrolls. Where are my scrolls? Well, you know, people couldn't own scrolls. They were very expensive. So even if he did have one, it was probably only a portion or one book of the Old Testament. It's not like he'd go, I got to go find my Joel scroll. Where's my Joel scroll? No, he shared Joel because it was in his heart. The prophecy of God pouring out his spirit from the prophet Joel was being fulfilled right there in Acts chapter two. And, and so for you, you know, with, with the access that we have to the scriptures so much, you may just, you may not, you just stop the discipline of, of, of memorizing because technology's changed. It's the old generation. We don't need to memorize anymore. I got the iPad. What do I need to memorize for? I got an iPad. That's on my phone. I've got, a, I've got an iPhone or some other thing that they call a phone. I don't know. If it's not an iPhone, I don't know really what it is. So... Just messing with you. Just make sure you guys are still with me because I get a sense that this is a convicting thing I'm sharing with you right now. You should see your faces. As some of you assess, you know, honey, there has, I haven't memorized a verse in years. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, go down to the Walmart or wherever you shop and get some three by five cards and just do it old school. Write it out on the three by five card and put it in your pocket and memorize it throughout the day. And then file that card in a little something or other, whatever you file them in and keep them or put them on a paper clip and watch the stack continue to fill. But you'll see as the stack fills, your heart will enlarge because you're filling, you're, you're filling your life with the scriptures so that if one day you don't have a Bible or one day your battery is no longer working on your phone or your tablet, you have the word of God in your heart. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance what you've been taught if the well is dry within you, then the Holy Spirit has nothing from which to draw from. That's why we have you take notes or we encourage you to take notes within a Bible study, whether it's this time or you're listening on the radio, to take notes. Why? Because that helps you to remember what was said. And then, I, I didn't look up all the statistics, but you know, there's, there, there are statistics of how you remember what's spoken, what's seen, and what's reviewed. By the time you're done with review, it's like really a high number percentage of what you can remember. And then you can do what I do, and I like to go back through my old notebooks from years ago and just see what the Lord was teaching me when I was a chump new believer. Didn't know what I was doing. Thinking I knew everything, and I really knew nothing. And the Lord was so gracious with me and so patient. And I start comparing my notebooks. And as I start comparing my notebooks, I'm like, whoa, I'm a, still a chump. <laughs> but in a different way. God's working on another part of my life. He's refining this. And, and I find that he speaks to me the same way. 
And he asked for 20 plus years. And oftentimes he's speaking to me about the same thing, whether he's saying, good, well done, good and faithful servant, or Ed, you've got some growth areas. I want you to depend upon me. Because when the temptation comes and you're faced with the facts, what's before you, the destruction of your marriage, that's just the facts. The bill that just came in, that's just the facts. The light that flashes on the van that they parked in the median, that's just the facts. The, the reality of what's happening at work, the difficulty in the family, the, when you're faced with the facts, you don't want to respond to the facts because you may make, give me a king. We don't have any good leaders here. We need a king. Do you really? Was that from the Lord? You need a king? The reason why you don't have a king, Israel, is because you're different from every other nation on the planet. That's why you don't have a king. Because you're special. You're the apple of my eye. I'm going to deal with you differently. I'm going to, I'm going to directly appoint people so that I can relate to you directly, Israel. And you need a king? Abram and Sarai, I promised you a kid. You don't think I know how old you are? You don't think I know I'm going to make you wait for it? You don't think, you know, you know, you know I'm about, in, in just a few years, and God didn't drop this on them because they couldn't handle it, but God could have said, in just a few years, I'm going to find a little, a young teenage girl that's betrothed to be married. And she's not going to have any relations with her husband. And she's going to show up pregnant. I'm going to do that just a couple thousand years. Just jot it down, Abram, you'll see. You don't think I can create a child in your wife's womb? You think you can do it better than me? And you, 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 you look at your life and you can see when you're faced with the facts, you often revert to human responses because it is the facts. You don't understand. You see it this way. Instead of waiting on the Lord, why? Because we'll renew our strength and God will fulfill his promises. Would you turn over to Galatians chapter 6? Galatians chapter 6. So we don't want a bunch of Israel um, Ishmaels running around. We want Israel. Governed by God is what that means. And in Galatians chapter 6, it's important to heed the warnings of God. Samuel's warning them, it would be good for them to heed the warning. God warns us about things in our lives, about sin in particular, because he wants us to avoid the pain of sin, and he wants us to avoid the pain of consequences, and he wants us to enjoy this life as a testimony of his faithfulness. So he warns us. He warns us. And he says, notice what the Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. That's a warning. And an encouragement at the same time. We're faced with decisions every day. What will I do with my freedom in Jesus? How will I use it? How will I respond to this warning for God? Paul narrows it down to two choices. Will I respond in the spirit or will I respond in the flesh? Some of these situations we're facing, they cause emotional response. They cause physiological responses. Your heart starts beating more. Sometimes if you're in a discouraged place, the blood flow slows down. Your heart rate slows down. Your body starts to shut down in discouraging times. Your mind starts to think strange things. There's physical responses to things in life. And if we're not careful, we'll feed that with the flesh. Because you're feeling it, you're feeling it, you're feeling it. And I don't just mean some of the simple decisions. Should I go get drunk or 
Should I go live with my girlfriend? Or I'm not. You know, those are those are actually some of the easier decisions that to respond in the spirit. But it's a sobering passage. Every thought, every action, every word brings with it a blessing or a cursing. And when it comes to our relationship with God the Father, you can't just decide to cross a side, cross, a, go, you know, cut across the Bible and expect to come out ahead. You know, you can't say, well, I'm a Christian, I love God, but me and my boyfriend are living together. It's no big deal. Or I can get drunk sometimes and, and hey, man, you know, the, it's logical and it's legal. I can just go smoke pot and everything. You know, I don't care if I stumble someone else. It's my freedom. It's my life. I can just yell and scream and break things and control. I, I could do whatever I want. No, be careful. If I'm speaking to you right now, be careful. Because what you sow is exactly what you'll reap. And so don't be deceived that you think you can sow to the flesh and get spiritual benefits from it. You're not, it's not going to happen. But also be encouraged that if you sow to the Spirit, you will get spiritual benefits. You won't get the fleshly benefits. When you sow to the Spirit, you're, you're not going to get flesh. You're not going to feed your flesh. Like, so you're angry, but you, you get into the Word and you pray. It's not, God's not going to make you more angry. Make you lose control. You're not going to hear from God. You know, Lord, I'm just feeling like this. I'm feeling like this. And your God's not from heaven. Well, well, you have permission. Just go take him out. No, he's going to comfort you and calm you and minister to you and reveal scripture to you or, or just in that time renew your strength. But listen, what you sow, that's exactly what you'll reap. And if you live for eternity, you see the bigger picture. You'll sow to the Spirit. Everything you do in a touch will last for eternity. So, hey, Heed the warnings of God. With that encouragement to heed the warnings of God, we'll draw today's Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor to a close. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Have you had a chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word. Download it for free today by searching for Ed Taylor. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. And maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads these emails. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember that Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord for provision. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. This is a must-read for anyone who desires to serve the Lord and be involved in ministry. In it, he invites ministry leaders to listen in on 30 short armchair chats that will no doubt encourage and inspire them for service. You might even want to go through this with your small group at church. To order a copy today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Well, and some of our listeners may not be aware of this, but you write blogs that they can access at edtaylor.org. What have you been writing about lately? Yeah, Larry, my website is edtaylor, edtaylor.org. Make sure it's .org, edtaylor.org. And I started it many years ago. I wanted to write on spiritual leadership and serving, uh, you know, in the, in the church and in the world. And then after my son passed away in 2013, I felt it was necessary for me to start to write what God was showing me about grief, uh, about the weaknesses and difficulties of hardships and uh, and all of that. So I write, I write on life, on ministry, on grief, on victory, 
And it's interesting that you asked the question what I've been writing about recently. Just today, I posted uh, an article that I entitled To the Defeated and the Discouraged. Because uh, I, I taught a Bible study last night at our church, and at the end, I just felt like the Lord had a word for, for us to the defeated and to the discouraged. And I developed that, and I, I gave a short word uh, that I believe was from the Lord to our church last night. And then today, I uh, opened up my computer and wrote a few things just to encourage uh, the defeated and discouraged. So I, I also post a lot of resources. Uh, we are a resourcing church, and just want to encourage you and keep you strong, um, help you learn the Bible, love Jesus, know that you're loved and not forgotten, edtaylor.org edtaylor.org. And drop me a line, email me. You can email me through there as well. And I'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. Again, that's waiting for you now at edtaylor.org. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Samuel. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.